Good morning. It's good to see you all on this beautiful uh, Sunday in August. Quite a Sunday, quite a day for August. Uh, we'll take it. Well, any time the weather is like this, but it's good to to be with each each of you and have you worshiping with us either online or those of us who've gathered here in person to talk a little bit about faith, which is one of those church words that gets tossed around a lot. Um, it is often misunderstood and sometimes misused. Faith, it's sometimes easier to say what it's not than what it is, but it is certainly not the absence of doubt or questions. That's not what it means to have faith. It's not a blind, uninformed allegiance either. The writer of Hebrews says, Faith is the conviction of things hoped for and the assurance of things not seen. And that conviction and that assurance is hard to come by at times. For followers of Christ, faith, uh, from the Greek word that we get our word faith, uh, has two meanings. It is both, both belief and trust. Faith is belief or the content of what we hold to be true. Faith is uh, the creeds, scripture, liturgy, all that we know to be truth with a capital T. And faith is more than belief, more than simply what we believe, the content of our faith. It is the willingness to trust God with our lives when everything else says we should do something else. Faith is the kind of trust which says, keep going, press on, even when every ounce of your being says, stop, no more. Faith is not having everything all carefully pinned down, all our doubts or questions um, satisfied, all our fears and anxieties put to ease. Faith is actually saying, in spite of all of that, in spite of doubts and fears and uncertainties and anxieties, in spite of all of that, I will trust God with my life. Faith, Christian faith, at least, is also not a kind of general religious awareness or a, a few spiritual feelings. And it is certainly not a set of carefully defined propositions that I believe and you don't, therefore I'm right and you're wrong. Faith is not about saluting a set of beliefs. It has more to do with life and relationship than with being right. Faith is um, a long obedience in the same direction. It's about walking with Jesus, being Jesus' companion, particularly standing with Jesus in the lowly places with those who are often despised and left out. Faith says, run with perseverance the race that is before you. Hebrews is a curious little book. It's uh, unlike any other in the New Testament. Scholars don't know who the writer of Hebrews was. They do believe that it was written sometime around 60 to 100, which is about the same time period that the Gospels were being written. So it's contemporaneous with them. Um, we are not sure exactly which community the book was, was addressed to. We refer to it as a letter, but it's not a letter at all. 
<laughs> like the other letters, say, from Paul that are in the New Testament. Um, it's more like an extended sermon. The writer actually calls it, it, calls it an extended exhortation. So with Hebrews, you get, you get a glimpse of what early church preaching was like. And if that was one sermon, they, they were apparently long. So um, thank God that we've changed that a bit. Uh, but you can go home and read the whole thing out loud to yourself, and you say, well, I've just heard an early Christian sermon. So there you go. Um, so it's not a letter. We don't know who it was written to, don't know exactly when it was written, have no idea who the author was. But what we do know is that the preacher is addressing a, a, a real and urgent pastoral problem. And it, a problem that seems amazingly contemporary and current. The bottom line seems to be that the writer's congregation is exhausted. They're tired. Now, remember, we're, we're 30 to, to 70 years after the life of and death and resurrection of Jesus. So we're just a few decades away from the start of the whole thing, and they're already worn out. They're, they're tired of worship. They're tired of Christian education. They're tired of being peculiar and whispered about in society. They're tired of the spiritual struggle. They're tired of trying to keep their prayer life going. They're tired even of Jesus. And the writer tells us that their hands droop and their knees are weak. Even in chapter 10, we learn that attendance at church has gone down. I mean, they're, they're just getting started. And they're already falling by the wayside. The threat to this congregation, Tom Long says, is not like it was in some places, say, for instance, in Corinth, where the threat was that they were charging off in some theologically um, uh, harmful direction. Here the problem is they don't seem to have enough energy to charge off in any direction at all. The threat here is that worn down and worn out, they will simply drift away from faith. You know, the, the condition of that congregation may not surprise us. It may sound familiar. It may even feel a bit personal. Maybe it's something that you can relate to, especially with the past few years and all that's impacted the life of the church, the challenges that churches are facing. So the circumstance that gives rise to this sermon the sermon to the Hebrews is not at all uncommon. What's interesting, at least to me, is how the author responds to the challenge. Tom Long goes on in his wonderful commentary on Hebrews to point this out. Faced with the pastoral problem of spiritual weariness, the preacher doesn't appeal to improved group dynamics, doesn't offer conflict management techniques, doesn't reorganize the mission and ministry structure of the early church, which is probably where we would have all gone immediately with our kind of administrative managerial mindsets. None of those things are wrong. It's just not where he or she begins. The writer of Hebrews instead preaches a sermon. That's the solution. A sermon. Who knew <laughs> that that could be the solution? Doesn't hover around the surface give in to the latest fad, doesn't try to make the church more appealing and relevant to those beyond its walls. That's not a bad thing. We should know our context and people we're trying to serve. But instead, what, 
what the writer does is preaches a sermon first pointing to people who've, who've come before and who've managed to endure hardship of their own. By an act of faith, Israel walked through the Red Sea on the dry ground. By faith, remember, belief and trust, the Israelites marched around the walls of Jericho and the walls fell. By faith, Rahab welcomed the spies and escaped the destruction. I could go on and on, the writer says. There are so many more. Through acts of faith, they toppled kingdoms made justice work, took the promises for themselves. They were protected from lions and fires and swords, turned disadvantage to advantage, won battles, routed alien armies. Do you see what all of this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all the faithful now cheering you on? It means get on with it. Start running, never quit. It's a pretty good pep talk. Like, get out there. Get after it. You can do it. See, they did it when things were not easy. They were being sawn in two. (laughs) Persecuted. Martyred. Hang in there. Don't give up. Keep running. Great advice. How? How, when you've grown weary and have faced hardship and uncertainty and are anxious about many things and are fearful and are wondering if anyone is listening or paying attention, if your serving makes any difference at all, if the world is really any better for what we are about in this place, how? How do you persevere in running the race, in being like those great saints who've come before, being faithful, How do you continue to trust God with your life, to go where Christ goes, to stay where Christ stays, to love the people Christ loves? How might we who sometimes find ourselves tired and exhausted, tired of striving to be faithful, tired from the spiritual struggle, tired of trying to keep your prayer life going, tired of trying to meet a, a growing number of needs with what seems like fewer and fewer resources, tired of wondering if anybody's really paying attention or cares at all, if you're on the verge of just simply walking away from it all, but you want to hang in there, how? Here the writer makes um, an an important turn. It's interesting. It's it's not a, uh, uh, like a five-step uh, list of things to do in order to be able to do this. But instead, the, the writer of this sermon simply points to Jesus and says he's reason enough to keep going. Keep your eyes on Christ, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. He never lost sight of where he was headed. But for the sake of life with God, he endured the shame of the cross. Keep your eyes on him. See what he endured for the world's sake. See how much he loves you and the world that despised him. And learn from him the shape of your life. His love is more than enough. The story of Jesus is so familiar to many of us that it's easy for us to miss the scandal that the early church would have known. It would have been 
right there in front of them. The shame of the cross was twofold. As Tom Long points out, the cross was a cruel instrument of capital punishment. Jesus didn't die of natural causes. He was executed as a criminal and a menace to society. And second, shame is an experience. It's a human emotion connected to some kind of public exposure. When the judging eyes of others turn our way, when people wag their heads and say, you know, we thought more of you than this. What's happened to you? When we're caught out in the open without our respectability, naked and protected, we feel embarrassed and ashamed. When Jesus hung on the cross, he was exposed to the pitying, judging, reviling gaze of others. Religious leaders derided him, ridiculed him. Common criminals taunted him. He was allowed no relief from that public humiliation. So in encouraging us to be faithful, to hang in there, to keep going, the writer of Hebrews says, look there to all that Jesus endured as a reminder of his love his presence, his power given to you. And don't give up. Keep going. So when we find ourselves struggling in our faith, when we're weary or worn down, when, when we are uncertain about the, the next step, when we're not sure if any of this matters, if anyone's paying attention, if anybody cares what church is about, Look to Jesus. Don't grow weary and don't lose heart because he's more than enough. And the future success of the church, any church, Davidson UMC included, lies not in a program or our clever planning or our competent leadership, even though all those things do matter. The future of the church lies with Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of this faith. Um, without Jesus, all of this would be utter foolishness. But because of Jesus, we have the life that really is life. I've said this before. I kind of was joking when I said it. I probably shouldn't say it this way, but um, I'll say it again anyway. Um, I've said if it were not for Jesus, I'd get a real job. I have a real job, don't, don't get me wrong, but you all know what I mean. I'd get an outside-the-church job. I'd get a job like Kim has, um, like many of you have and have had. Um, if it were not for Jesus, I'd, I'd be done. I'd take this off, leave it on the desk, and go live my life. But because of Jesus, I get up early on Sunday mornings, whether I feel like it or not, and I show up because he's enough. He's enough. Hebrews says that it's Christ who makes it possible for us to run, to live life to the fullest. We have a lot of challenges as church. The world isn't helping us. <laughs> you all know that. Um, lots of challenges. But those challenges are nothing new. I mean, read that litany again from Hebrews. It was pretty hard back then, too. And they kept going. 
The wonderful thing about this text for me is it gives us a little room to breathe, to catch our breath, reminding us that our faithfulness as the people of God is made possible because Christ has been in the crucible of life and faith, has borne every hardship we can ever know, and has conquered and overcome it all. He's ahead of us, calling us forward. He's beside us to support us, and he's behind us, urging us on. So Hebrews says, look to him. Don't take your eyes off Christ. He started this, and he finished it. And he's more than enough for you, more than enough. Lean on him, take hold of his hand, and run. Amen.